we're just getting ourselves sorted up here. Thanks for your patience. How are we doing? We're doing great. It's so good to be with you here on Sunday morning, the last one in June. Can you believe it? That is crazy. Any end of financial year people, huge weeks ahead of you. Man, I'm cheering you on. Tell you what, it's a big week. Thanks, band. You guys, give it up for our band. Aren't they amazing? A whole team, the guys at work tirelessly behind the scenes, the guy in the broadcast room who's throwing it live. Everybody just makes it happen on a Sunday, and we're so, so grateful. If you're hearing my voice and you haven't yet entered the auditorium, please come on down. We would love for you to join this special part of our service. We have the absolute privilege this morning of sitting down with Bree McDonald to hear my story so far. And I am excited for this. I know that it's quite nerve-wracking coming up on the platform, sharing your story. It's a vulnerable, vulnerable thing. And every single person is so proud of you. And we're so excited to hear your story this morning. So thank you for even just having the nerve to step up on the stage and be sitting here and chatting with me. If you get nervous, just look into my eyes and tell me your story. I'm very calming, very assuring. Uh, But uh, some uh, might uh, be looking at you and saying, hey, I haven't really met Brie before, new kid on the block. Um, So why don't you, just by way of introduction, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, I'm Brie. I'm 22, live in Toowoomba, and I work at Adairs and also volunteer at Civic Assist right now. Woohoo, that's right. <laughs> and been coming along to Civic Church now um, pretty regularly since the end of last year. Or start yeah, of this since year. November. Yeah, 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 very cool. Um, which I know is only seven months ago, but so much has happened then. Um, but we wanted to, I guess, lay that a bit of a foundation first before we ra- rewind all the way back um, to childhood. But as um, Pastor Jenny mentioned, um, we, we will be talking about a few mature themes this morning. Um, so again, just um, throwing that out to everybody listening that if you did, um, were thinking that you might just want to duck out um, to the foyer or um, excuse yourself, um, please feel free to do that. But why don't we rewind back to childhood? We're not going to spend a lot of time there because, you know, uh, we've got really the last three or four years has been um, huge for you. And so we want to lay a small foundation before we hit, uh, you know, when you've graduated school and into a lot of the um, bigger topics that we're going to chat about today. But childhood, tell us a little bit about that. Um, so I was born in Toowoomba at the Toowoomba Base Hospital. However, growing up for the first five or six years of my life, we moved around a lot um, due to the army. Um, So I really didn't see Toowoomba much until I was sort of hitting school. Um, Along with that, there was just a lot going on. So from about the age of three, I had to be a bit of an adult. Um, Came back, had no friends, started school. And I don't really remember a lot from school, actually, uh, primary and high school. Um, I just remember I was probably pretty bullied and a very shy kid. Yeah, and and that's why you think, you know, you don't have a lot of memory from school um, because it was quite a traumatic sort of season for you. Yeah, I think I just sort of autopiloted through it. Uh, Now, I guess the, the... 
one of our main themes of doing my story so far is to see how uh, Jesus has made or continues to make a real difference in your life. Um, but you didn't, you wouldn't say that Jesus was really real to you from a young age, but you did have some kind of exposure to Christianity as a child. Yeah, I had one grandparent who was a very strict traditional Christian my whole life, um, still is to this day, very devoted. Um, so I went to church with that grandparent, I went to Sunday school, studied the Bible, I could recite the Bible, um, however, I was just interested in the history of it, I didn't really connect with it, it was just another piece of information for me to study, um, and I butted heads with that grandparent a little bit, um, in my earlier days, so it kind of like, I was like, oh, I'm not interested in that because I'm not interested in that grandparent. So you kind of discarded it um, and continued on with your life. So you sort of track through uh, through childhood, through schooling, uh, and I know we're, we're fast-forwarding, you know, 18 years of your life there, um, but we really do want to, uh, I guess, get into the last three years because um, there's a lot to share there. So you hit 18 and you've graduated, uh, and the first thing that sort of kicks off this season for you is you receive a diagnosis, which kind of helps to make sense of a lot of your world. Talk to us about that. Uh, So just after turning 18, I got sent to a psychiatrist by my doctor um, and I got diagnosed with avoided personality disorder. Um, So it's basically you feel um, like you're unable to be a part of society. Uh, It's like more than extreme shyness. It's um, you feel a severe fear of rejection, that kind of thing. It's very debilitating um, diagnosis if you allow it to be yeah so you tend to get diagnosed at 18 as well okay that's a that's a um a, a regular normal age to get that diagnosis yeah so a apd which is avoidant personality disorder gets um stems directly from childhood trauma uh, it's not a very common uh disorder but it is a big one yeah. quite quite complex i remember you telling me very complex, yet very boring is how I like to explain it. Right. <laughs> um, but that did sort of help you start to make sense a little bit of your, um, of your world uh, and of your, um, yeah, I guess your environment. However, you chose at that point not necessarily to um, go down the, the road of um, coping strategies or managing. Uh, instead, you chose, uh, you know, a few different coping strategies. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so... The perfect route would have been to start going to therapy and dealing with it. However, I decided that I was very embarrassed that I had this thing and I went, absolutely not, and just rejected all offers for help. Um, And I turned to trying to deal with it myself, which resorted to going out partying with friends and um, clubbing and just sort of trying to fit in with them to the best of my ability. Uh, So a lot of drinking, started smoking, um, and I got introduced to partying drugs. Um, Basically, I was told at clubbing and stuff like that, that if I was offered one, I had to accept it. And I had this big fear of rejection that I wasn't really looking at But I was like, oh, so I have to accept it. And I started taking party drugs at clubs. And which really created this environment for you where you you really built this whole friendship 
uh, network in this scene? You'd, you'd moved to Brisbane at that point? Yes. Yeah, so it sort of stems into 2019. I'm still doing all this. I actually have a really good group of friends who are all at amazing points of their lives now. Um, but I met someone, um, was on and off with them for most of 2019, and then at the 20, end of 2019, we uh, started dating. Um, and just continuing that, um, it was a bit of a rocky relationship from the start, so I probably should have left when back then, but I didn't because um, it was my first ever relationship and I was like, well, maybe this is the person that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. Um, and it, pretty quickly on, it was only about a month or two into... Uh, being together, that I found out that he was also seeing two other women, um, which was pretty rough. It caused a huge blow-up, a huge fight. Um, I'd found out from one of the other women that was um, in a almost relationship with that person. Um, and we... It got a bit violent, um, but I was like, well, maybe this is the person and this is just a mistake. So we decided to move to Brisbane to fix our relationship. And that was about March 2020. So this actually went on for a few months. And then, of course, we all know what happened in March 2020. Yeah, uh, we moved to Brisbane and then a week later we went into lockdown for three months straight. <laughs> uh, in a share house. <laughs> yeah, so, so you, you've, you've discovered uh, things about this um, partner that you don't really like but you feel that that fear of rejection is is so severe um, that you don't feel like you want to leave that relationship even though you had your own red flags you would say at that point so you move to Brisbane away from family um, to uh, start afresh and to fix this relationship and then you go into forced isolation with said person for three months yeah, pretty much. It was uh, in a room, six other people in the house. You weren't allowed to leave that room unless there was no one else out in the common room. So we were spending all our time in that one room. Um, and I lost my job. I couldn't study because like, they just had to go online and they weren't accepting new people. Um, so it was really just there was nothing to do and resorted to staying up till 4am, going to bed at 2pm, um, and in order to really deal with, again, the, the issues we were dealing with in our relationship, what I was dealing with, you know, I wasn't um, going to therapy, I wasn't talking to someone online, I felt, like, really rejected in the relationship in myself, I was rejecting myself. Um, my partner was uh, very big into smoking weed, so really... I was like, well, maybe this is the best way for me to cope too. And I started smoking that as well. So smoke during the day, stay up till four, go to bed, wake up at two. And so this was your coping strategy for a, a crazy time in life. Uh, things don't improve with your partner. In fact, they, they get worse and he yes. starts to show other signs of, of abuse. Yeah. Financial abuse, yep. sexual abuse. Uh, physical abuse, uh, and yet uh, you still feel trapped in that relationship. Yeah, well, yes, that's all true. Um, I basically had convinced myself that this was the person I was going to be with for the rest of my life. 
I could, I'm never going to find anyone else. As I said, um, we'd been intimate together, so I was like, well, I can't have anyone else. There's no, there is no one else because of that. Um, so I w- wouldn't let go. I knew there was still things going on, and like I was, I went from having ten thousand in savings down to about a thousand in four months, paying for things. Um, and yeah, sexual abuse started, um, and I just dealt with it really until we sort of Brisbane got to a point where we'd be in and out of lockdowns. This was about mid-year. Um, and we started to make some friends. We were sort of in a uni complex, so there was, like, multiple uh, blocks of units, about three to four storeys high, and, like, four units on each level. So there was a lot of people in the area, um, and we started to make friends, and they also had a lot of parties because there was nothing to do. Everyone was completely studying online, working from home. We weren't allowed to really leave. You could only go to the shops once a week. Um, and you could only go to the shops less than 10 k's away from you. Um, and, yeah, so I started going to parties there as well. Um, and, again, resorting to drinking a lot. Um, and also the same thing happened again where it was it is extremely rude to not accept something when someone offers it to you at a party. So drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, that kind of thing. So I was still doing all of that. Um, and really just avoiding the inevitable that was happening, which was the breakdown of the relationship and, honestly, the breakdown of my world. Which did eventually uh, happen, but not for a little while. I think you made a friend who, who started to help you see, maybe I can exit this relationship in a safe way. Yeah, it was about... Mid-year through 2020, towards sort of like the second half of the year, I had made a friend. She lived in one of the same complex as us, but a different unit. Um, And she was honestly the only real friend I ever had during that time. Um, She had noticed there was things going on, and she's like basically just said to me, "I know there's something wrong. There's something's not right in this relationship. Like um, I can feel it." you need to get out of there. Like, and she offered, she was like, come live in my room with me. We'll share a bed. I'll support you until you get back on your feet. And like, I had a little bit of income, but not a lot. So I really couldn't save any money and I was spending it all um, on survival. Um, And she was like, you know, just move in with me. We'll just, I'll protect you. Uh, I didn't want her to get involved because I was so worried about violence spreading from just within my relationship to the people around me. I had such a big fear of that. So we made a compromise that if I can save enough money to get my own room in another unit and be able to consistently pay rent for one of those rooms, which it was the smallest rooms were really cheap, so I would be able to afford it, then we would start working towards being able to move out of this relationship. Right after that, I found out that... um, my partner had been emotionally unfaithful over social media again and had been for quite a consistent amount of time. And again, I really spiralled. Um, yeah, uh, pretty bad. Uh, drinking, going to parties, hanging out with the wrong crowd, that kind of thing. Um, and it kind of moved into Christmas and all that. 
Um, I would go see my family, but I'd avoid talking about anything. I don't really talk about anyone with it. So, yeah. And then we sort of move into 2021, and you do end up moving to uh, your own place. Yeah, so it was around November again. Um, I moved into my own, into one of the units on the top floor of another building, um, into the smallest room, which was a little, a tiny little room that could barely fit a double bed and a desk, no windows whatsoever. It was in the centre of the uh, unit behind the um, kitchen. So no windows, no nothing. Um, I moved in there, started paying and paid rent. Um, Rent included everything, including Wi-Fi, electricity, everything. So it was really good. Um, And slowly trying to really pull away and like become independent again. Um, Because I really hadn't been able to be independent because I had zero savings by then. I had no money left. Um, and that moves into uh, New Year's and Christmas. Things were kind of okay. I actually thought that maybe the relationship was getting better and we could fix it. Uh, and then, again, not long after, I found out that there was unfaithfulness in the relationship again, <laughs> which seemed to be a bit of a trend. <laughs> Uh, and I really badly spiralled then because I was very mentally unstable, to be 100% honest, like very barely holding on. So have we arrived now at New Year's 2021? So talk to us because a pretty significant event happened that night that literally shocked your world. Um, so let's, uh, let's get to New Year's 2021. What happened? Uh, there was a huge party in the complex. I had just found out that there was unfaithfulness again. There'd been a huge fight, big blow-up. Um, I went to the party, uh, did a lot of drinking, uh, took some drugs, smoked a fair amount. Um, and then it had gotten to really late in the night, the party was over, and I decided I wanted to end it all. Um, I didn't want to deal with this anymore. Like, it wasn't worth it. Like, I didn't want to hurt anyone with um, finding out what I was going through because I was really scared of finding out, people finding out, like, that I was a failure. So I, as I said, was on the top floor of this unit. I went out to the balcony and I decided I was going to jump. Um, put my hands on the rail and went to launch myself off And basically it was almost like something physical stopped me in my chest. And I just, I couldn't do it. I just stared like three stories down at the cement and I couldn't, I tried, but I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Um, I don't know why, I don't know what it was, but it literally felt like there was like a wall in front of me and I couldn't jump. And I don't know how long I was there. I was there until the sun started coming up. Um, And then I just sat on the ground of the balcony and just, sat there empty feeling like a failure again because I wasn't even successful at that (laughs) yeah but um yeah that's what happened which really did shake you and really did after I guess the initial shock of that we would look back now and say the hand of God at that miraculous intervention but you didn't really recognize it at, at the time 
No, I, looking back now, I think there was quite a few things, like my friend noticing me feeling like something literally was stopping me um, and all that, like maybe that was like, this is not, like God being like, absolutely not, this is not going to happen, like trying to help and I'm just ignoring those signs to the best of my ability and trying to figure out something else. Um, And as well, throughout, which is, quite ironic, throughout this entire time at Brisbane, I would constantly be praying to God and talking to God and telling, saying to God, you know, please, I beg you, don't let my family know this is happening, take care of them, do whatever you need to do to me, punish me, don't hurt them, don't hurt my friends, don't hurt my family. So it probably was and I didn't know. So what happens then after, uh, after that significant rooftop experience for you? Uh, I believe you're still with um, your partner up until March. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So March 2021, I was starting to get on my feet a little bit. I was able to sort of afford everything in life. Um, I had finally gotten into studying and everything. Um, still couldn't find a a consistent job, but I was at least studying so that I could work towards something and wasn't spending all my time alone. Um, and then in in March sometime, I can't really remember the date, my partner was like, okay, can you come down? We need to have a chat down to my partner's unit. I was like, okay, I'm coming down. Like It was a bit weird because this was like at 10 a.m. and my partner still didn't wake up till like 2 p.m. Like That had been consistent throughout the whole time. And basically, we broke up, or he broke up with me, um, because he had been unfaithful again, (laughs) and had decided in order to keep sleeping with people, he didn't want to hurt me anymore. He just wanted to break up because he knew he would cheat again, Um, which really hurt, because I was like, again, he broke up with me and made me feel like he was doing a good thing and being a good person by breaking up with me, even though this was like the fourth or fifth time this has happened. Um, that really spiralled um, into a lot of depression, a lot of not great things going on. Um, however, I also decided at that time, because we were no longer together anymore and I didn't have to put money towards it, that I would stop drinking, stop taking drugs, stop smoking anything, and I went completely cold turkey, Um, which was actually really good for me. Um, However, I did now have to deal with my emotions. And again, my one friend that I really, truly had, she realised again, she was like, there's something going on. I'm going to keep checking up on you because you're not okay. And like I basically, without telling her the details, I told her what had happened. And she was like, okay, well, we're going to get on our feet now. Like, you know, you not tied to this anymore, so let's do it. And that sort of moves through then through to the year, and we come, at some point, you come to moving up to Toowoomba. Uh, Yes, yeah, so I have my 21st in July. Um, We have been in and out of lockdown. Again, I'd see my family a few times, but I really did avoid them during that time, like, consistently avoided talking about things. I would say things were amazing and all that. Um, in my 21st, we uh, went into lockdown and all the way up until the day before my 21st birthday. So I could not go back to Toowoomba because for four days after lockdown, you could not leave Brisbane, the vicinity of Brisbane, just in case. Um, so my ex now, my now ex, 
had said he feels bad that I'm on my own for my 21st birthday. So we're going to go out for breakfast and all this stuff. And we did and we went shopping and it was a really nice time. But I still had a really bad gut feeling that whole day. I would have rather spent it by myself. Um, yeah. And then we went home. He had a cake. And his friends, not I didn't really have any friends, so his friends were over, celebrated, that kind of thing. And I really just felt like I didn't want to be there. I was like, there's something's telling me I just need to go home, like home home to Toowoomba. Because I was like, this is not for me. This is not the life I want. Because they were smoking and everything and trying to get me to, but I was like, I really don't want to. I really don't want anything to do with that. I've been sober for three or four months by then. Um, and then they all leave uh, and we're in my ex's unit and he basically is like, oh, um, our TV's not working, which I knew the TV in the unit wasn't working. I had, it hadn't worked the whole time in Brisbane. He was like, come into my room and we'll watch a movie and, you know, just to finish off your birthday, all that. Um, I just had this voice screaming at me. I was like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Um, and I was like, oh, no. Like, you know, I felt like I tried. I was like, oh, maybe I won't. Like, I'll go home. Like, I really felt like I had to get out of there. But after some persistence, I was like, okay, maybe I'll go in for half an hour and then just leave. You know, just be nice. Just don't be rude. Uh, And basically what happened was um, I was sexually assaulted. That's the only way to put it. Um, So my gut feeling was correct. I shouldn't have gone in that room. And from that point, um, once it was over, I just walked home and I was empty. There was, I didn't feel any emotion. And I just, yeah. And that was a real turning point again for you of going, I need to go home. So yeah. you, you made contact then with your family. Yes. Yeah, so to- basically right after that, I was, I called my mum. I didn't tell her what was going on, but I was like, I'm not okay. And she was like, I know you're not okay. I've had this, she's had this voice in her head telling her that I'm not okay. Um, And I was like, I need to come home. Like, I can't, I can't stay in Brisbane anymore. I can't be alone anymore. Um, I can't be around these people anymore. Um, And pretty much, so November was when my lease was up because it was a one year lease. That day that my lease was up, which was the 11th of November, my mum, my nana and poppy drove to Brisbane, packed me up, packed all my stuff up and drove me home, which I'm so grateful for. Like, I don't know how I'll ever repay them for that because it was a big day. It was probably a 12-hour day. Um, and they did all that for me. Because they love you. <laughs> so you've landed back to Toowoomba and yep. you've moved back home, moved yep. back in with family. Yep. Uh, and you start asking your sister, who comes to Civic, yes. <laughs> about God and c- questioning her about about this whole church and journey. Um, talk to us a little bit. We've only got a little bit of time left, but talk to us a little bit about, I guess, your journey then into uh, into Civic. Yep. So we get home that same week. My sister graduates from high school, and I actually get to do her makeup for formal, um, which I was really glad I was able to do like I don't even know whether I would have been able to um, see a graduate otherwise 
And she offers, she's like, oh, do you want to come to church with me? And I'm like, oh, absolutely not. Like, I'm a terrible person. Like, I will never be able to enter a church ever again with everything I've done. Like, I do not deserve to be able to step foot on a church. But curiosity gets the best of me because, like, again, I'm really interested in the history of um, religion and all that. So I ask her questions. What was the message about today? What did you do today? We end up having a lot of, like, midnight talks. I ask questions. I start questioning ideologies. Um, and every now and then she, so, she like, pushes in. She's like, do you want to come? And it's like, oh, no, thanks. And then eventually I'm like, yeah, I'll come. And then I back off at the end. I'm like, absolutely not. No, actually, like, Sunday morning I'm like, no, thanks. I'll just stay in bed. Uh, and eventually one day I go, yeah, I will come. Let's see what this is like. Let's see what church is like. And I start coming to Civic. And what was your experience? You had such a fear of being rejected and judged, but what was your experience? So I was very nervous about coming to church because the way we were raised, you had to be proper, you had to be good, you couldn't have this, have that, not allowed coloured hair, not allowed tattoos. I have quite a few tattoos, like very minimal makeup. It was not me. Um, So I was like, I'm going to enter this church and be judged hardcore. But I walked in and it was instantly greeted by everyone. Um, Had people come up, introduce themselves, say, even said like, oh, I love your tattoos. Like, where'd you get them done? Um, And not once have I ever felt judged in this place or ever felt like I'm not good enough, which is not the experience I've had with church or Christianity before. Um, So very different. Which is so comforting to me because I know that we, we work really hard at making sure that people feel the grace of Jesus. Um, uh, and so it's just so humbling to hear that has been your story for us, uh, for us here at Civic. Uh, so you're sitting here today, huge journey, the last, well, really the last 22 years, but specifically the last three to four years. Yeah. Still very much a work in progress, like all of us, um, having a genuine faith in Jesus. To- toe the water with Christianity, but now you sort of feel like you're waist deep and you're, you're, you're really on this path and on this journey. Um, there are a couple of last comments that you wanted to leave with people this morning, um, listening to your story. What, what were they? Uh, I was really thinking on this for ages, Um, And I really, with my story, want people to know that God is always there. Like, you can see that he was there throughout my entire time. I was praying to him without realising what I was doing. Um, And he is always there. He's not there to punish you. He's there to love you and you deserve his love. Like, you are one one of his people. Like, no matter what you do in life, you are forgiven. I love that, and it, and that's such a truth. And and you are saying that with the absolute um, sincerity of that testimony, because you know that to be true. You you didn't think you were lovable. You didn't think that God could ever accept you, and yet you are discovering day by day just how much the Father loves you, uh, which is so beautiful. So I would love the opportunity for you to pray for some people this morning, um, if that's okay. Um, so uh, we're going to give people the opportunity this morning for Bree to pray with you. So just for privacy, not for any uh, any other reason, um, we'd love to invite people to close their eyes. 
uh, and bow their heads. And we'd just love to offer uh, the opportunity for prayer um, for two groups of people, really, um, for anyone who has been listening to Bree's story and saying, you know what, I've never actually said I, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be uh, a, a follower of, of him. I want to know him personally and real. I don't want to just have a head knowledge of who Jesus is, but I want to know him uh, in a real and genuine way. We'd love to pray. Um, Brie would love to pray with you this morning. But also for those who perhaps just need that reminder that God's love is unconditional and that His love is absolutely consistent. No matter where you find yourself in life, no matter uh, what path you've chosen, you've never gone too far for God to reach you. And that's absolutely the testimony that we've heard this morning. Uh, So we'd love that opportunity to pray for those two groups of people, those who say, you know what, I actually, I feel like this is my time now to say, Jesus, I want to know you. But also for those who'd love that reminder uh, of, you know, God, I just need to be refreshed again in your love. I just need to know how much you accept me and you value me because I do deserve your love. I'm one of your people and I just want to know your love in a real, tangible, genuine way this morning. So as I look around, uh, I'd love to see any hands. Uh, you can raise your hands now if that's any, anyone who would like prayer this morning. Thank you. I can see those hands. Awesome. Bree, why don't you pray with us this morning? Uh, dear God, I pray for everyone who is currently on their walk with you and for those who haven't started their walk with you yet. I pray that they know you are always there and that you help them have the strength to take the next step. I pray for anyone who has ever felt like they don't deserve your love. Maybe they're experiencing or have experienced something that has caused them to think this way, but please just show them that you're there and help them to know that you will always love them no matter what. Amen. Amen. I love that sincerity. Like that is just genuinely from your story and from your heart. And uh, I just want to say thank you again for sharing uh, your journey. Uh, I know it's never easy being so vulnerable, but I'm so glad that you feel like this is your home uh, and we love you and we love you being a part of us. Um, So thank you this morning. Why don't we give it up for Brie this morning? Thank you. You're amazing. Gosh, it does our hearts good, right, to hear a testimony of a real person walking the real faith with real Jesus. And, you know, we did talk about a few mature themes this morning and really would love, uh, you know, if, you, if it's brought anything up for you this morning that you'd like to talk to somebody about, please come and talk to one of the team or you can go to the kiosk and scan the QR code there to catch up with a pastor. We'd really love to be there for you, to be able to do life with you. I love these stories for so many reasons, but one is absolutely that uh, it just reminds us again that God is always working, <laughs> that even now he is working on hearts. He's working on the hearts of people in our community, in our worlds, in our lives, who knows what God's doing in our families and in our friends and in our workplaces. He is on the move and he is talking to hearts and he is always constantly bringing people home. So I just hope that's an encouragement to you this morning of the love of the Father, but also that God is always 
speaking and he's always moving and he's not finished his business yet. He's not finished um, his agenda and his mission and so neither are we, right? We're here to be uh, exactly that environment that Brie came into that Sunday morning, loving, accepting the grace of Jesus on legs uh, and that's exactly what we are here at Civic. So why don't you stand um, this morning? I know we're sort of still reeling from uh, from the interview, but the band's going to take us out with the last song, and I encourage you to hang around after the service, grab a coffee, um, chat with some people. It's also all really good to catch up with people. Love your church, and we'll see you next week.